Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus. We've had a couple of lessons in the book of Exodus already. We had Israel in bondage in the first chapter. We had the birth of a deliverer, that is Moses, and the call and commission of Moses and his credentials. Down to about chapter 4, and in the fourth chapter, we left off with verse 16, where God had said He would make Aaron the spokesman for Moses. Remember, Moses refused first place. God told Moses, He says, you go and speak. And Moses says, I'm not eloquent. I, and he made all kinds of excuse. But we find that when God calls you to do something, He gives you the talent and the ability to do it, or He wouldn't have called you in the first place. And so Moses had to second... Uh, settle for second best instead of first place and have he had to speak the words of God to Aaron and then turn around and let Aaron speak the words that Moses had given him so uh, that wasn't as good as it could have been otherwise and uh, the next few chapters in verse 4 we have the credentials of Moses we'll give you just the next uh, few title outlines and then in uh, chapter 5 you have the conflict between Pharaoh and Moses, as it begins, chapters 5 and 6, it's a preface to the judgments. And in chapters 6 through 11, you have ten judgments upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And you have four compromises that Pharaoh attempts. And so I'm sure we won't get past that point tonight. But anyway, we'll pick up with chapter 4, verse 17. Let's look at 4, verse 17. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou uh, shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let, uh, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go. Return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Now look. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. I want to show you three verses about the rod. In chapter 4, you have chapter 4 now? Now these are lessons, and I trust they'll be meaningful if you'll follow me. In chapter 4, verse 2, the Lord said unto him, What is that uh, in thine hand? And he said, A rod. Now notice, in 4 verse 2, it's a rod. A rod. It was Moses' rod. God says, What do you have in your hand, Moses? This is yours. What is it? He says, A rod. Verse 17 now. And thou shalt take this rod. Remember, God had already told him what he was going to do with it. Thou shalt take this rod. Verse 17. Wherewith thou shalt do signs, thou shalt take this rod in thine hand. So here this rod has been consecrated to God. It was Moses' rod at first, right? And now it's this rod. This rod that you've already seen what it will do. And then down in verse 20, it says, And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. It becomes God's rod, doesn't it? You see? It's first of all ours. Then when it's dedicated to God, it's this one that God has already chosen and consecrated. And then he says, take the rod of God. The rod of God in thine hand, in his hand. In verse 21, And the Lord said unto Moses, 
when thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all these those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, and I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. This shows you the sovereignty of God. Now, even though that God intended ultimately to deliver the children of Israel by uh, Moses and his rod, yet he said, Moses, when you go first and you start doing these things, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall not let the people go. Someone says, well, why does God harden people's heart? First of all, they harden their own hearts. And if they resist and keep on resisting, God hardens their heart until ultimately He shows forth His sovereign power, His sovereign grace and power in delivering His children. Now, if you want to be hard, God will make you hard. He'll just He'll just help you along if that's what you want. And that's what Pharaoh wanted. He says, Who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. Neither do I want to obey Him. Well, if that's your attitude, God says, Okay, you're hardened. And he'll just see to it until ultimately he will show that you cannot resist a holy, divine, and sovereign God. And God's going to have his way in the life of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Now, verse 22, he tells Moses, now you have chapter 4, verse 22, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. By the way, when Moses went with the message, he always went with God's message and God's word. And God told him exactly what to say. He didn't say, Moses, you go down there and you start arguing with Pharaoh and you say this and that and you try to win the battle. He didn't say that. He says, Moses, when you go down there, I have the message that I want you to give Pharaoh. And you shall say, thus saith the Lord. And by the way, that's what preachers ought to be doing this very day and hour. It's not what we think or what we imagine or what we uh, even believe unless it's what God tells us to say. But it should be, thus saith the Lord. We come with God's word. And so he says, uh, uh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. He counted Israel as his firstborn son. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. The very first message was that message of judgment. That was the last judgment that came upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Now, see, God started with the last instead of with the first. He says, this is my firstborn son. But he says, if you don't let him go, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. He didn't start out with Moses and and tell him to tell Pharaoh, I'll bring water, uh, turn your water into blood. He didn't say, I'm going to bring some lice and some frogs and some boils and some hail and some fire. He didn't say that. He says, this is the ultimate and final judgment that will come if you refuse to let my people go. And Pharaoh had to keep on tempting and testing and trying and resisting until finally that was the outcome, wasn't it? That was the last thing that came. And so God's demand was, let my son, let Israel go. Israel is my firstborn. And he says, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. It came to pass, by the way, in the end that the Lord met him. Now, he met Moses and sought to kill him. Now, this is a mysterious passage, and I want you to listen to it before we come back and give you any explanation. Then Zephyrah, or Zephorah, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art. Now, he's talking about Moses because of the circumcision. This is the circumcision of Gershom that had not yet followed the 
a Jewish uh, plan and what God had already said to Abraham and, and his uh, uh, forefathers, uh, Moses' uh, fathers and forefathers, what, what should be done. The covenant of circumcision that was already established. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. In other words, God is sanctifying Moses and saying, Moses, if you're going to be the deliverer, you first got to set your own house in order. And so this son that was not yet circumcised, Gershom, had to be circumcised. And of course it made his uh, wife angry that uh, such a thing had to take place because it was the custom then. All right, in verse 28, And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. Now look, remember God told Moses previously, he says, I will give you the words that you will speak. And now, instead of Moses going out against Pharaoh and saying, now, I'm going to speak the words, it says Moses told all the words of the Lord. Moses told them to Aaron. See, it had to pass through Aaron now. And of course, in the providence of God, this was the way it worked out. But it was not necessary had Moses taken the responsibility to start with. Now, if God gives you something to do, He's going to give you the ability to do it. Who has sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him? Verse 29, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. You see that? Aaron spake all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses. So you see it had to come through both of them. And we're right back to square one where we said that Moses uh, argued with the Lord and he uh, passed over many advantages and centered on one drawback. He says, I'm slow of speech. Look in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I'm slow of speech and slow tongue. And the Lord said in verse 11, uh, Who hath made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And he says in verse 12, Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Down in verse, we gave you this in verse 15. He says, And I will, teach, I will be with his mouth and will teach thee what ye shall do. God not only teaches us what to say, but he teaches us what to do. And so Moses then was taking the second place. Back in uh, 4 verse uh, 31 now. Verse 31. And the people believed... Uh, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Now, I want you to notice verse 30 again. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs, here, and did the signs in the sight of the people. Remember Moses says, suppose they won't believe me. God says, well, I'll give you a sign. So he he told him about the rod to cast it on the ground then take it up, take it up by the tail and turn back into a rod. And then he told him to put his hand in his bosom and it, became out, it came out leprous as snow. And he says, put it back into your bosom and then draw it out again and it became uh, clean of leprosy. And then he said, if that won't do, I'll, you'll take your rod and you'll smite the water and it'll turn into blood. And evidently, Whatever number of these signs, if they, he says, if they will not believe these first two signs, then they'll surely believe when you do the, the third one of these signs. Now, how far he went, we don't know. But it says, and he did signs 
did the signs in the sight of the people, verse 30, and the people believed, just like God said they would. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So they accepted Moses as leader. Now then, in chapters 5 and 6, we have an introductory to the ten judgments that will come in chapters 7 through 11. Now here's an overview. Get this. In chapters in five, 5 and 6, you have a, a preface or an introduction to chapters 7 through 11 where you'll find the ten judgments that we've mentioned. Some of you have a sheet of paper where I gave you those ten judgments. And then you have the four compromises. They're not listed. But uh, Pharaoh attempts to compromise with Moses four different times. He says, well, you can go, but just stay very close to the land. Then he says, uh, you just go, but don't go three days' journey. And he says, go, but leave your little ones. And then he says, go, but leave your herds and your flocks. And he made four attempts to compromise the situation uh, with uh, Moses, but Moses wouldn't accept any compromise because God doesn't accept compromise. It's either His way or none at all. Now, if we rebel against God, we're just rebelling against what He has said. And uh, I believe the statement you find in verse uh, 22 and 23 of chapter 4 uh, really sums it up. Notice this. Again, we read it a minute ago. Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. Now, that's God's ultimatum. He says, Let my son go. They had to be delivered. And we'll find various statements later on that refers to much the same thing. Chapter 5 now. Now, what do we say about chapter 5 and 6? What do we say? This is preliminary. This is laying down the rules to Pharaoh. This is preliminary to the ten judgments that will come in chapters 7 through 11. And these ten judgments, by the way, let me name them for you. I have a list of them here, but I have them in my Bible too. There's the blood and the frogs and lice and flies and murrain and boils and hail, and locusts, and darkness, and then the death of the firstborn. These ten judgments. And you have them on a sheet. Some of you have them on a sheet of paper I gave to you. And you can look those up if you have that sheet of paper and pass it around and let the folks next door to you, next uh, to you see it, if you will. All right, let's look at chapter 5 then. This is preliminary now to the judgments. Chapter 5, verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now remember Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord? He says, I don't know the Lord. Why should I hear him? I don't know anything about the Lord. Who, that I should obey him, his voice, to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey un, uh, into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. I want you to notice. There's three statements that are very significant. Verse 1 and verse 3, and then the verse we read in chapter 4. Let me get it to you again. 
the first thing here you notice in verse 3 is that they may sacrifice. See that in verse 3, 5 verse 3? Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And then, if you notice again, chapter 4, verse 23, And I say unto thee, Let my son go that he may serve me. Sacrifice and serve. And then 5 verse 1, uh, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me. Three things. Okay, let me give them to you again. 5 verse 3, 4 verse 23, and 5 verse 1. First of all, it's sacrifice. Sacrifice comes first. Service is the next thing that we see is in order. And then the feast. Now, all these three things are combined in the demand of Moses and the Pharaoh. But they're for three purposes in the life of the Christian. First of all, we present ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, the second thing. And then what? Then we're ready to have a feast and we're ready to fellowship, right? And so that's really the order of the things that should be considered. All right, let's read on down. In verse 4, you have chapter 5, verse 4. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, do ye Moses, ne'er and let the people from their works? Get ye into your burdens. You see, Pharaoh knew not the Lord. He didn't care about the children of Israel. He didn't care about Moses. And he thought that uh, Moses was pulling a bluff, trying to just persuade him to do something he had no power to do. But he got fooled, didn't he? Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. You see how the world wants to oppress the people of God? It's Satan's purpose to keep the people of God, the children of Israel, you and I as Christians, under bondage and in sin. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Look at that. He's making it harder and harder all the time. And the tail of bricks which they which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. says they have too much leisure time, and therefore we're going to make them make the bricks. They'll have to make the bricks. They won't have any straw. And it says, therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. They're just too idle and they want to go worship. Let there be... More work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. You see, these taskmasters are acting as if Moses preaching, Moses' words are vain words. Did you know that that's exactly what the world says about the, the church and about the preaching and the teaching of God's Word? They say, you go down there at that church, that preacher says, attend the house of God, the gospel is preached, Of course, they don't know anything about that either. You think you get guidance and wisdom and knowledge from from the Bible, and they make fun of that, slur and mock at it, and scoff and ridicule? The world thinks that of the house of God. That's exactly their opinion. And if you don't know that, you go out and you just find out what the general public thinks about hearing God's Word the Bible preached and taught 
and you'll see that you're the exception to the rule if you come and hear it. And so we find that uh, uh, it's called vain words. And the taskmaster says, listen to those vain words. Don't listen to those vain words of Moses. Hear what he said? They're vain words. Don't give them any regard. Let them not regard vain words. Now look, verse 10. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Now hear Pharaoh's word. Never mind Moses' words, they're vain words. But hear Pharaoh's word. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Yet not all of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmaster hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? You know, the devil's bondage and the world's bondage is, is heavy upon God's people. You say, well, what is God doing about it? Just listen in a moment. He tells what He's doing about it. God is not unmindful of all of this. You know, we may suffer many uh, situations in life and heartaches and tears and persecutions and, and situations to where we feel down and out and, and we may suffer financial disaster. We may suffer, suffer illness and sickness and persecution. But whatever it is, God is mindful of it. And we're going to see in a moment. Let's follow it down. It says uh, in verse 15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw. They make a protest given unto thy servants. And they say unto us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and do sacrifice uh, to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you. Yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. And after it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, now look, now if they can't get it done by the world, they're going to get on God's preachers, aren't they? That's the first, next thing. That's the next thing. They said, now look, they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so, uh, so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? He begins to question his calling. You know, when... God's uh, servants run up against enough opposition, they begin to say, well, maybe I just wasn't called. <laughs> Have you ever seen preachers like that? First little bit of trouble comes up, well, maybe the Lord didn't call me. Maybe I was supposed to do something else. But if you're sure of your calling, there's going to be opposition. And if you're sure of your calling, God will see you through that opposition and there'll be a, there'll be a, a light shining on the other side and it won't always be that way. And that's what he's trying to show Moses. In verse 23, For since I came to Pharaoh, look at Moses, For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Now look, Moses says, Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. This is Moses' complaint. 
You know, sometimes we expect the victory and the deliverance and all to be rosy immediately when we start upon the task. Moses hadn't yet begun, had he? There was not one judgment that God had said He's going to have to bring the plagues of judgment. God had already told him that Pharaoh wouldn't believe, right? And that Pharaoh would harden his heart. And he ought to have expected it. Now, if you think that there's soft spots in the ministry when you start out, you're just going to be fooled. Because God says this is a hard road. Remember when the Apostle Paul was called to go into the Gentiles and kings? God said... I will show him how great, I will show thee how great things thou must suffer for my name's sake. And he had a battle to fight. And don't think just beginning on the battle, uh, in the battle, that it, the victory comes immediately. And so he says, You have not yet delivered that, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. You and I, we make a turn or two and a swing or two, and we expect the battle to be won. We have to keep on fighting if we're going to win. And, and you can't give up in the middle, middle of the, of the uh, warfare. In chapter 6, verse 1, Then the Lord said unto Moses, said, Moses, listen. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do. It's not what Moses would do, not what Aaron would do. God says, Now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. He's not only going to let them go, but Pharaoh's going to drive them out. He's going to say, get out of here. I don't want you here anymore. And then, verse 2, And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. Jehovah God is the title which He takes as the deliverer of His people. And on the ground of His covenant of pure and sovereign grace, He reveals Himself as the great self-existent source and of His redeeming love, establishing His counsel, fulfilling His promises, delivering His elect people from every enemy and every evil. And it was, it was their privilege to enjoy this God who said He would deliver them. In verse 3, And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of uh, God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah, which is His name for Israel in their deliverance, was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning, look at this, of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. Now look, Moses acted as if God didn't, you know, have any consideration for the fact that they were not yet delivered. He says, you have not yet done this. But God says, I've heard the groaning. Don't ever think that God is unmindful, friend, Christian friend, of your bondage, which the devil and the world tries to, to put you under. Don't ever think that he's not mindful of that. And he says, I've heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. God says, because I've made a covenant, I've remembered that. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel. Now, I want you to notice seven things that God promises to do here. Notice these I wills. I will, I will, I will. First of all, in verse 6, 
He says, uh, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will, here's the first one, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. That's the first thing. And then he says, And I will rid you of their bondage. That's number two. The third one, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. In chapter uh, uh, 6, verse 7, now look at verse 7. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God. That's number 5. 4 and 5 there. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse 8 now is number 6. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now look. And I will give it to you for an heritage, an inheritance. I am the Lord. There's seven things here. You have the I will of promise. He promises what he will do. The I will of performance. The I will of propitiation. The I will of sonship. The I will of protection. The I will of prospect. The I will of provision. He says, I'm going to give you an inheritance. And God did all of these things that he promised to do. In verse 9, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Because they were so in bondage and so uh, in anguish of spirit, they hearkened not, now look, unto Moses. You see, sometimes when God's people are so in bondage and having so many problems, so many trials, they just half believe their leader. Just just have very little response. And they had very little response at this point to Moses. They were kind of indifferent to it. <clears throat> they hearkened not. Uh, let's go on down. Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That's verse 11. That he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? What did he mean? He meant simply, if he couldn't get his own people to listen, how would Pharaoh listen? Sometimes we say, well, why won't the world listen? Do God's people listen? You see? If God's people won't listen, how can we expect the world to listen? So we need to first set our own hearts right, don't we? And listen to what God says. Now, God gives us many exceeding great and precious promises. We gave you seven I wills of what He would do in this chapter. I will, I will, I will, I will. Seven times. Seven is the number of perfection, completion. God says, I'm going to finally bring complete deliverance. And I'm going to take you into the land. Now listen. And give it to you for an inheritance. So he not only promises deliverance along the way, deliverance from Egypt, deliverance from oppression, making them his people, but he says, I'm going to take you over into Canaan's land and give you your heritage. We're not going to stop in the wilderness. We're not going to stay here in Egypt. We're going to go through the wilderness and we're going to end up in Canaan's land. If God's people could believe the ultimate and the final goal and victory that they will have, you know, we sing a song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. 
We need to get our eyes off this world and upon the Lord. As Debbie sang earlier, get your eyes, put your eyes upon Jesus. And when you see the glories of, of His promises and, and all the future that the, the believer has, this life at its best is very short. Life is short and death is sure and sin is the curse. But Jesus Christ is the cure. And you and I need to get our eyes above temporal and uh, physical and material and financial things. And even our, this house, uh, our house of this tabernacle. Remember Peter said in teaching uh, in his uh, first and second epistle, he says that after I, my departure from this tabernacle, after my decease or my departure, he says, I'll, I'll give you some things that I want you to hold in remembrance after my departure. Look at this again. Uh, Moses said, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. Verse 13, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron and gave them a charge. See, God charges His preachers and His leaders. He gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He, he not only charged that He was going to uh, tell Pharaoh that they were going to be delivered, but to tell the children of Israel also that because God's Word, because God had said they could depend on it, and because God had said Pharaoh had better depend on it, had better admit it. In verse 14, in verses 14, we won't read verses 14 through 30, because this has to do with the genealogy of the uh, children of Israel, and, and there are many wonderful things to be taught there, but we're not going to take time to do that. We want to get into chapter 7. Chapter 7 begins with the judgments and the four compromises. Now look, in chapter 7, verse 1, The Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be uh, thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. You know I like these statements from God. Remember before it says, Thus saith the Lord. He said, You'll go to, to Pharaoh and you'll say, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. He tells Moses here, You shall speak all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of this land, his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Someone says, well, why is it that God hardens hearts? Well, listen, sometimes this is a mysterious thing and a question that we ought not to even be trying to, to second guess why God does things. God has a reason for doing what He does, and whatever He does is all right with me. If He hardens Pharaoh's heart, He's got a purpose for it. He says, For in thee I will show my power. And He wanted to make an example of this rebellious, sinful uh, uh, leader and ruler that says, I know not the Lord, neither will I obey His voice. And God says, I'm going to set you out as an example, if that's the way you feel about it. And He hardened Pharaoh's heart. So we need not question God at any point in time. We may not understand it, but we know God has a purpose for doing it. Uh, it says uh, in verse 3, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon uh, Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know... Now, here's the reason, really. If you want to know a reason, God says, I'll finally give you a reason. You know, a lot of times we cannot take God at His Word. We have to have the reason. 
Well, God sometimes comes along and says, Okay, I'll show you why. He says to Pharaoh, And the Egyptians shall know, this is the purpose, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. You see, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? God says, I'm going to show them who the Lord is. They shall know. Remember, at one time, and we're kind of premature in making this statement, but at one time the, the magicians of, of uh, Pharaoh said, this is the finger of God when God was bringing these judgments. They recognized that it was the Lord. Pharaoh was a little slow to do it, but they said, this is the finger of God. We can't do this miracle. We, we can't bring these judgments, these certain ones that, that they pointed out. We'll get to it later on. But you see, there is a purpose, isn't there? Uh, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring uh, out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. You know what you and I are supposed to do? Do as God has commanded us. They did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. Sometimes we say, well, we want to know why. Well, uh, if we keep on questioning, sometimes we get into uh, too many doubts and fears and frustrations as to why. But if we just take God at His Word, we know that there must be a reason why. Not for us to reason why, is it? You take a soldier out there on the battlefield, this uh, commander gives an order to take a certain hill or a certain valley or a certain place, a certain fort, and they say, well, why should we do this? Are we going to do it this way? And they stand there and argue, the battle could have been won had they obeyed. Sure, many people may be lost, but that's the way the fight goes, isn't it? Not everyone survives. But God has a reason for giving His commands. And when He tells us, we're supposed to obey. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. Now then, verse 7. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore years and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. Here's two old men. Moses was 40 years old when he thought his calling came, and he fled to the backside of the desert because his brethren misunderstood, and then God spoke to him at the backside of the desert, and he heard God's call. He saw the bush burning, and he heard God's voice, and he knew God's call when he was 80 years of age. And now God says, I want you to go and deliver the children of Israel. Imagine, 40 years in training. Sometimes we get so anxious that we've got to do the work that we won't take time to study and prepare for the work. You see, God wants us to be prepared for it. And Moses had to spend 40 years in the seminary in the backside of a desert and learn of God in obscurity to finally come out and shine in the blaze of glory and do what God wanted him to do. And sometimes you and I have to prepare ourselves for the work. You know, in almost any profession, you find a man here that's a good surgeon or a doctor. He didn't go out there and go to school about uh, six months and say, well, I've learned all, I read two or three books here and I know all about it. Go out there and start operating on people. No, he spends years studying anatomy and chemistry and all of the other things and studying uh, what he's about to do and going to do and what effects it has. And he has to prepare himself for it. If he doesn't, he's not going. To, I don't want him working on me, do you? And so the, we we think it's uh, not necessary in the ministry, and we have the highest calling in the world. Why not take time to study God's word and let God show us what it means and what it says? I had a young 
fellow in the seminary one time, and he was talking to Dr. Connolly, one of our professors, and he was just on fire, you know, he just surrendered to preach. He'd been in the seminary about three months, and brother, he just couldn't stand it anymore. Had to get out there and start preaching all over the country. And Dr. Connolly says, what are you going to preach? Well, 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 the Lord will give me what to say. And you start pinning down on doctrines of grace and faith. He didn't know where he stood. He didn't know anything about them, you know. He's just starting out. He hadn't learned these things. Good to go out there and preach, but you better know what to preach before you get out there. And prepare for whatever work you have to do. Same way with teaching or preaching or uh, anything, any profession, you better prepare yourself. And that's why in this day and hour, you know, it's, it's a sad thing to see a lot of times you call a plumber or carpenter or someone to do some repair work. And the guy comes in and he has a frame and square and a hand saw or a skill saw. And he doesn't even know which way the blade turns. The guy with a screwdriver that's an electrician, he comes in and he doesn't even know how to use a screwdriver. And you pay him about $15, $20, $25 an hour to stand there and watch the other guy do the work. That's sad, isn't it? Well, the same thing can be true in the ministry if we don't prepare ourselves to, to give the Word of God out and teach the Word of God. And brother, I believe today... This is a day and hour that we need to prepare ourselves for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And so, they had they were 80 years old. Here's two old men going out to do this work against Pharaoh. What does this look like? Two old men. But time is gone, isn't it? Golly, time went away. I hate that. Anyway, we'll pick up with chapter 7, verse 8 in our next lesson. Chapter 7, verse 8. And then we'll talk about these... We're just about in this chapter, in this seventh chapter, in this seventh chapter, we're just about to get down to the uh, first of the judgments and also the compromises uh, will be involved during these times of the ten judgments. And there will be a fourfold compromise given to Moses by the Pharaoh. But Pharaoh does not accept any of these compromises. You know, you can't compromise with the world or the flesh or the devil. And God doesn't compromise. He says, let my people go three days journey into the wilderness that they may serve me, that they may hold a feast unto me, that they may sacrifice unto me. And all these things were necessary and God would not uh, put up with it, uh, would not settle for anything less. And you and I shouldn't settle for anything 